Hi everyone, welcome to today's episode. And today we are going to talk about working in the healthcare industry. And I have with me um, my roommate from college, Lisa. She currently works in the health, uh, healthcare industry. So welcome, Lisa. Thanks for being here today. Hi. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Me too. So, what is it like working in a? I know you work in a clinic right now. What is it like working in a clinic during COVID? Um, yeah, so it's interesting. I mean, there's been like a few, I guess, big changes since COVID started. Um, so the main thing is like we do a lot more like phone appointments instead of in-person appointments, um, which is good because like you're trying to limit the amount of people that are actually coming in when they don't really mm -hmm. need to. Mm -hmm. um, and then also we're just being like, you know, very careful with like screening people and like making sure that we like disinfect everything. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So I like, those are the two main changes um, for a while. Like when COVID was really bad, like when I first started a few months ago, mm -hmm. um, the clinic that I was at, we actually just locked the doors. So like no patients could come in at all. Oh. And then like every single thing was phone appointments only. Uh -huh. um, and then like, after a few months of that, when things started getting a bit better, we like opened the doors, but then like people had to like call in first and then mm -hmm. after we like screened them, we'd let them in. Mm -hmm. um, but now I think, cause now that things are getting like, I guess even better just cause it's been going on for so long. Mm -hmm. um, we've started just like letting people come in, but then like we just do like a very thorough screening when they do mm -hmm. come in and like checking their temperature and like mm -hmm. asking if they have any symptoms and mm -hmm. then like the thing is because my clinic we don't we don't do anything with COVID so like if you have COVID coming to like a primary mm -hmm. care clinic isn't going to do anything for you mm -hmm. um so, like if anyone has even like any symptoms like even just a mm -hmm. cough we don't mm -hmm. even let them come in person we do like like a phone appointment instead oh yeah okay so if if like someone has any COVID symptoms you wouldn't um you wouldn't let the the patient like the person come in so would like the the person who have these symptoms go right to a hospital um so no so it okay. well I guess it depends so, like if you have like very severe symptoms like let's say you've had like mm -hmm. a fever for like a few days or like mm -hmm. you're having like trouble breathing well then yeah mm -hmm. you should go straight to the hospital but mm -hmm. like let's say you're just having a cough and like mm -hmm. you don't know if it's COVID related but like it's mm -hmm. not even that serious okay. um, you don't need to go to like a hospital or anything but we would just have you do like a phone appointment first because mm -hmm. the doctor could like assess you over the phone and probably decide whether they think it is COVID or if it's something else because if it's something okay. else they could just like prescribe something or if they think that you need to come in after they've talked to you because the doctor like is better at gauging what it is right so like mm -hmm. after you talk to the doctor first on the phone and then they think it's fine for you to come in that's when we would let someone even like with those symptoms come in person oh okay people go to clinics for like regular checkups to see a doctor because I remember when I was when my when I had my um, appendicitis, I called the emergency room because I wasn't sure. I thought it was a really bad stomachache, but it was going on for like three days. 
and I was like Googling, oh, like what have what to do with a stomachache? And they were like, oh, if the pain doesn't go away within 24 to 48 hours, um, you should probably go to the emergency room. And the pain didn't wasn't getting better at all. So I called the emergency room and then they were like, oh, describe your pain level from um, zero to 10, 10 being the most painful. And I was like, oh, I think it's a 10. And then the nurse was like, oh, you better, oh you, you better come in. But the first time I called the nurse, they were saying that I had COVID, they, they wanted to test me for COVID. So I got very worried too, like, oh my God, cause I was, cause I'm living with my family. Like, I don't want to pass COVID to them if I had it. Yeah. Um, but then like, I called them again, like two days later saying, oh, the pain is really bad. And then I went in there. Oh, sorry. So my question was what kind of um, patients do like the clinics see, it would be like more non-emergent patients. Yeah, exactly. So like the clinics, it's pretty much like anything that's not an emergency. Mm -hmm. so, so there's like two main like reasons why you would go to a clinic so the first one so at least like the clinics that I work at right so the first mm -hmm. one is like your like family doctor so that's for like routine checkups and stuff like that or like let's say you're like regularly on like a prescription and you need a refill of it you would go to just mm -hmm. your primary like family doctor for that um and the other thing is like walk-in care mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. it's I guess it's more like urgent care but it's not like it's not like an emergency yet so like okay for something I guess small like let's say you have like a rash on your arm that you wanted to get looked at it's not mm -hmm. like a life or death emergency but like, right, you still right. want to get medical care for it so that's when you would go to just like you know a regular like walk-in clinic mm -hmm. um to just see a doctor about it but it's not like an emergency so you don't need to go to an ER for it um, oh, okay. Yeah, so then the things that you would go to, like, an emergency room for would be, like, if it's, like, really, like, like life and death, and if it's, like, really, really bad, um, uh -huh. or, like, if you, like, injure yourself, like, if you have, like, a broken bone, we, right. we if someone, like, came into the clinic mm -hmm. for, like, an injury, mm -hmm. um, the doctors would usually send them to get, like, x-rays done, and mm -hmm. then if it is a fracture, they would send them to the ER um, oh. for, like, further care. And then the oh. other thing is, like, if you, like, cut yourself really bad and you need stitches, um, mm -hmm. some clinics can do stitches. But, like, one of the ones that I work at, we don't do stitches at all. So if anyone comes in with, like, a big cut that needs stitches, we just tell them to go to the ER because they can get stitches there. Oh, okay, okay. Have you experienced any patients that wouldn't follow the COVID precaution guidelines? Oh, my gosh, yes. Um a few times like there's some patients who like refuse uh -huh. to wear a mask okay because they don't um, think it's useful or they just think it's yeah like I don't know like both reasons I guess and like the other thing is in our clinic we don't give out free masks anymore so if you don't have your own mask you need to buy one at our pharmacy next door okay. and I think some people just like don't want to buy one for some reason okay. um mm -hmm. but like we have a very strict policy like if you don't wear a mask you're not going to be seen because you're putting like everyone in the clinic at risk. Like you're putting the doctor at risk. You're putting the other patients at risk, the right. staff at risk. So like that's one thing that we enforce really heavily. Mm -hmm. um, and then like we've also had some patients who like lie about their symptoms. Just oh, that, really? like, Can you like tell yeah. that they're lying? Like so for some things, like if it's like a fever, yes, because like we have like a thermometer that can check. We can test the like, temperature. Yeah, exactly. Right. But then like other things, like once there was this patient, 
Oh my gosh, like he literally did a COVID test the day before, right? So when, after you do a COVID test, like you're supposed to self-isolate until you get the results, like until right. it's negative and then you're free to go. But I guess the guy like, so he got the COVID test the day before and then he was like, he was having some of the symptoms like cough and stuff. So he wanted to see a doctor in person. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when he came in, when we did the screening, he like lied to us at first and said he didn't have any of the symptoms. Mm-hmm. So then we like let him in. Mm-hmm. And then it wasn't until he like talked to the doctor that he like told him what the real problem was and like the symptoms that he was having and the fact that he like got a COVID test the day before. Uh-huh. And the doctor was just like, what are you doing? Like, you need to go home and like self-isolate. And if you need right. medical care, you can like, do a phone appointment. You don't need to uh-huh. come in person. Right. Yeah. So like we've had some of those cases with people just like uh-huh. lying about their symptoms just because they, they think it's not COVID-related. So they're like, oh, like I'm fine. But uh-huh. like you shouldn't be lying about the symptoms. Like we're asking the screening, you know, for a reason. Right, um, right, yeah. Yeah, those are like the two main things that I can think of. Okay, yeah, I remember when I was waiting in the emergency room, even though it's an emergency room, I feel like it's pretty slow. Unless you're like, um, I think they like see how bad your situation is and then put you in line <laughs> to see a doctor. Yeah, um, so in an ER, they always like, triage you so like Mm -hmm. depending on how life-threatening it is Mm -hmm. um yeah like that's why a lot of people actually don't like going to ERs because there's always like such a long wait um because they do that triaging where like the most um like emergency case gets seen first and then the ones that aren't as serious have to Mm -hmm. wait longer that's why some people I think prefer to go to like a walk-in clinic if it's not that big of an emergency just because like mm-hmm. usually most walk-in clinics we don't triage patients in order of severity so it's just in oh, order of, like oh. when you come in first come first in serve like first comfort yeah exactly um although since COVID started we've moved to just appointments only so like people mm-hmm. can't just walk in you have to book an appointment um ahead of time and that's also a way to like control the amount of people in the waiting room right and like keep keep the clinics um safe and COVID free yeah exactly yeah because i remember when i was um i mean i went to the emergency room three times the first time they triaged me immediately because i was like in pain so much i was just bending uh my like i was like bending down and then i was screaming in the emergency room the emergency room was pretty calm like i from i was thinking like it would be like gray's anatomy um people doing like oh this that but um it was really calm i was the only one screaming and then um they were like at first they didn't um they were like um they were like doing process of elimination to see what i had they did it they think it was appendicitis but they had to do like different tests so i did like an ultrasound first they didn't see anything and they gave me a cat scan um and then yeah i think and then i saw like this other guy who was near me he was on the bed like playing computer he was like a patient too i was like oh <laughs> interesting uh, um, but yeah, I think I w- when I was in the hospital, it was when um, COVID was, co- there was like less COVID cases, there was still COVID cases, but it wasn't like the initial period when there was like, cra- the cases were g- growing by a lot, like, it, they, like the hospital kind of got control of COVID by then. And then, um, yeah, so what was Canada like um, during the, well, 
what is it like during the coronavirus? Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so like, I, I would say it was like, well, okay, so when it started back in like, I want to say March-ish, that was right. when it was like the most, or at the time, like that was when it was like pretty severe and like a lot of things shut down. Like we basically also had a lockdown. Um, so actually, so because I worked at a, I worked at one clinic back then. Um, and then in like March, I actually stopped working and I took um, a few months off just because like the clinic, once we like locked the doors, there just weren't as many patients that need to be seen. Um, mm -hmm. And then like, we didn't really need as many staff working. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I stopped working for a few months. Um, and okay. I just like stayed at home and self isolated and like, yeah, and like quarantine. Um, and then That's safer too, right? Because, because that was like a very dangerous time. Yeah, exactly. And then also because so like, I mean, I live with my mom, who's like, older mm -hmm. so obviously I didn't want to put her at risk and then also right. just going to work every day like I take the subway mm -hmm. um and you know taking public transit is like pretty dangerous, dangerous as well right. right now especially like if you're in close proximity with people because if there's still a lot of people like commuting mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. um yeah so for a few months I was off um that was when I would say like COVID was like pretty bad um, right. And then things got better. It started, we like entered into like the reopening stages. Mm -hmm. um, and then that's when I started working again. And then that's also when we like unlocked the clinic doors. So people started being allowed to come in. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And then now like it's actually kind of getting worse again. Like the numbers right. are going up again. Oh, in um, Canada too? Yeah. I think we okay. just like broke a record for like the highest amount of new cases in a day so like it's obviously going up a lot and it's bad uh, okay. um yeah yeah but most people I don't know like I feel like we're not gonna go into like another lockdown. total lockdown right but, I feel yeah. like I don't know if, I don't know if like we're used to this COVID thing or it's because same in America I've been only following like U.S. news now because I don't know. I feel like there's just too many COVID all around the world. I'll just like pay attention to where I live. And then, yeah, the U.S. had the same thing. I think yesterday or the day before, we also had like a breaking record of how many people were identified with COVID. Um, but I feel like people are just my my impression is like people are calmer compared to when it initially happened. Um, no, yeah, I definitely agree. I feel like a lot of people are just like getting used to it. Like they think that it's just like oh it's just a part of life now and like right. people aren't taking the precautions as much just because like I guess people are just like growing like used to it and like mm -hmm. tired of it but like right. I, I think some people still don't recognize the severity of it right um, right and so they like like if it hasn't affected anyone that's like close to you and you're right just or your or yourself yeah exactly and you're just like mm -hmm. hearing about these numbers like on the news it doesn't mm -hmm. sound as severe as it actually is and I think a lot of people are like just kind of you know growing like calm about it because mm -hmm. of that right yeah it's I was really bad <laughs> yeah I was I was thinking about doing like a Thanksgiving at my house but then since the numbers are growing back again I'm just gonna see how the um situation goes and then probably decide decide by then if not i'll just like celebrate with 
my brother. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then, um, so are there any like stressful times um, at the clinic? And like, how do you deal with that? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, sometimes just like dealing with like patients who are upset about certain things. And it's like, yeah, like you understand why they're upset. But like, right. sometimes, like you have patients like yelling at us, like the admin, like a system uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, for things that are like completely out of our control. Like, let's say right. like, the long wait times or just like, I don't know, like someone comes late for an appointment. We tell them, oh, sorry, since you're late, you're going to have to like reschedule it. And then like people like mm-hmm. getting really upset at us and like yelling at us. Right. And, you know, obviously, like I feel for them because I get mm-hmm. it. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it's like there's nothing that we can do about right. it. Like we're just kind of put in the middle um right yeah you're following so like, the rules yeah exactly like we're just following the rules um and you know we're trying to do what we can to help the patients but we also need to like mm-hmm. be aware of like the doctor's time like there's only so much time in a day we can't just like squeeze in extra patients or like we can't just like accommodate you if you're late mm-hmm. um and so just like when things like that happen and like when patients get really upset and agitated about it it's kind of like stressful to deal with as like right, the assistants because right. we're the ones that have to like mm-hmm. you know like mitigate the issue right. um and i think like the biggest source of like support in those situations would just be my coworkers. like i feel mm-hmm. like the people that you work with are like really important because like right like, spending the whole day with them and i think i'm really right. lucky that like I feel like my coworkers are all like really good and supportive and like, you know, mm-hmm. we always like have each other's backs. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that's pretty much how I deal with stressful times at work. It's like relying oh. on my coworkers. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. And like sometimes if like one of us is dealing with something and we just like don't know how to deal with it, we just like pass it on to the next person <laughs> and let the other person like deal with it. Uh-huh. <laughs> we're like, we don't know what to do anymore. But yeah. yeah so okay on them for help. yeah yeah I definitely agree with the coworker part um even though I don't work in healthcare, I remember um the last job I had it was pretty stressful and then I had like uh, I had co-workers who were kind of in this with me and then we would like I guess go through it together um, yeah because like you know they get it as well yeah we're all like experiencing the same thing and like right. we understand how we like feel yeah (laughs) yeah I think it's yeah I think you're exactly right it's so important to have like co-workers who you like get along with and then like work like work well together and I you and I just remembered when I was waiting in the emergency room um I like witnessed something that you were kind of saying like if there was an upset so there was a patient that went into an emergency room and then um that person's son wanted to go in and see her I think it was her mom and then the nurse was like, oh, we don't allow any um, people besides the patient inside to the hospital now. And he was so angry. He was like sticking his middle finger out. And he was saying, oh, this stupid, stupid flu, blah, blah. He was so angry. And then the nurse, the nurse, like, of course, she was just like following the rules because the hospital was like, you can't, um, they, like, the rule is no, no one besides the patient can go into the um, hospital and then yeah and then I think like having my like having experience in the hospital now made me really appreciate healthcare people working in healthcare like they yeah they just and especially during COVID times because it's they're putting everyone's putting um, themselves in danger and helping people I mean they were they are helping people before but now it's just like a more more um, dangerous time 
And you said that you were um, you, you like quarantined around the time in March. Yeah. So what have you? What do you do during quarantine? I was, I mean, I was working from home, but um, but yeah, uh, yeah. There was, I guess, I didn't have that much to do. What about you? Okay. I I know I sound very like. I, I know I'm going to sound very privileged when I talk about my time in like, yeah. quarantine because it was actually like, like really good and like relaxing for me. Okay. Um, so yeah, because once I stopped working, um, so the Canadian government at the time, they like rolled out this new like employment insurance um, benefit oh, okay. during COVID. So it was called CRB or like the Canadian Emergency Response Benefit. Mm-hmm. And like basically if you like lose your job during COVID, Mm-hmm. Um, you, you like apply for this thing and then it's like $2,000 every month. Um, and then like up to a maximum. So at the time when they rolled it out, it was like a maximum of four months. So mm-hmm. 2000 each month, so a maximum of like $8,000. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. So then, and then they like extended it cause it like went on longer than they expected. But anyway, so since, since I like technically had lost my job during the time, um, mm-hmm. so I was able to take that benefit. So like financially I was fine. Cause like, wow. So great. <laughs> yeah. So then basically like I spent my time doing like, just like kind of working on myself and like doing some of like my hobbies and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I did a lot of like, piano and like I play like this Chinese instrument peepot so I like oh yeah, yeah. a little bit more of that yeah just like you know working on my hobbies and then like mm-hmm. I did a lot of baking which was oh, fun like okay, I, yeah. I don't I didn't really bake much before but like <laughs> during um lockdown mm-hmm. I did a lot of baking I learned how to make like all these different things which was mm-hmm. fun um yeah and then aside from that like you know I like watched tv and like mm-hmm. I was like talk to my friends online I guess Mm -hmm. Um, and then the one thing that I did do that like was like a more like I guess serious thing was um so I started volunteering for this online organization Mm -hmm. um so it was called Certified Listener Society it's basically Mm -hmm. like um like a mental health like chat like text chat line kind of thing okay Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah so I decided to do that because I wanted to still like do something meaningful during mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. time right. um, but I wanted to do it you know from the safety of my home to like right. be safe and like mm-hmm. self-isolate um, mm-hmm. and so I, I like started volunteering for that organization and that was really cool because like mm-hmm. I felt like I was able to like help people and right. yeah and like spend my time in like a meaningful way mm-hmm. so, so you yeah. were so, so so you would text people yeah so it was like a chat service um mm-hmm. we had like this like chat platform and then like people from around the world would like like text in basically okay. um and then we would just like chat with them mm-hmm. um yeah and I learned a lot about like just like mental health and like oh okay. and stuff yeah so it was cool. okay it was only text not like calling yeah it was only text Oh, okay. Okay. That sounds pretty cool. Um, yeah, I've been calling my therapist the entire time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, and like, cause the one that we did, it's, it, it's not like actual like therapy. Cause it's, okay. You know, we're not like qualified, like certified, right. you know, mm-hmm. mental health professionals, but like, okay. it's just like a community of like volunteers who like oh. want to help. And it's, mm-hmm. so 
it's called like certified listeners because like that's what we do is like we listen to people's problems well I guess by listen I mean like read it through text yeah yeah yeah, and then like so I took like a a little training course to like learn how to like do it and then oh there's a training course yeah and then like if there was something that like was serious we would give them like outside resources and like oh okay well not like referrals but like we would refer them to other services that they could use okay okay wow that does sound pretty pretty meaningful like especially in quarantine you'll just like text people and then like help them and you talked about baking what kind of stuff do you bake (laughs) so I did a lot of like cookies and then like um I made I made like all sorts of different types of cookies like well I mean I really like chocolate chip cookies and I learned how to make Uh like a really nice chocolate chip cookie (laughs) um and then like brownies um like bread um, oh like bread I didn't have any yeast I couldn't find yeast so okay. I made bread without yeast like it's basically like quick bread is that, which is like, is that possible to make yeah um, oh, okay. I mean the texture is a little bit different from like yeast bread okay, but it's okay. still it's uh-huh. still like bread yeah um oh. and then I also like I made like a pie once, although that was really difficult because I was like making the crust from scratch as well. Oh, you, and, didn't, like, you didn't buy the the crust, you? No, so I wanted I made everything from scratch, and like it was so hard because the crust kept sticking everywhere. <laughs> uh-huh. and, like, it was really hard to handle, but eventually I so I made that. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. I feel like a lot of friends started baking like. I was talking to a friend, he was baking, and then yesterday I was talking to, like, another friend who, like, also recorded an episode with me. She was talking about baking, too. Oh, she, was talking, she was talking about, like, baking banana bread. Um, and then, yeah, so after I recorded with her, I was, I was telling her, yeah, I don't really bake. And then after I told her that, I just, I, like, bought these um, Kong Pao Mochi balls from Trader Joe's. You bake them, and then I also baked like sweet potato fries. Um, they're oh pretty. My gosh. Oh, yeah. I love sweet potato fries. <laughs> yeah, the only reason I baked the sweet potatoes is because there's a lot. I have a lot of them at home, and my brother and I are doing this thing where we have to finish like almost all the food at home, and then we go to buy something else, or else we just keep on buying new stuff and then eating the stuff we eat, and then like the food that we like don't really eat or it will always be there so I'm just trying to get rid of this the sweet potatoes I think I'm gonna make them um again today oh did you did you watch any shows um yeah I mean I mostly so like because I watch a mix of like Chinese dramas and then like American like TV mm-hmm. um yeah so like I mean I've always I've always like watched a lot of TV, so like, oh, okay. I mean, like I guess nothing really changed during like. Okay. COVID, okay. Cause, like I'd always like watched a lot of mm-hmm. seasons like pre-COVID, um, oh, but I just okay. like continued catching up on those. Although, like I think a lot of shows like kind of delayed their like right. seasons right. because of COVID because of like filming difficulties. Right. 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 Um, but yeah. Do you do you like take so? I think I've been like going on some walks um, like every now and then just so I'm not indoors all the time. Um, do you do something similar? Um, yeah, well, actually, so when COVID first started in like March, yeah. for like a whole month, I did not leave my apartment at all. A month? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, like basically a whole month. Um, uh-huh. 
and so like during that month we even like for groceries and stuff we like ordered it on Instacart okay. <laughs> um but then like after that month and like when mm-hmm. things felt like they started improving a bit mm-hmm. that's when I like started leaving my house for just like walks mm-hmm. um, but the thing is like there's a really nice like area like a park near my apartment that you can walk in mm-hmm. but like it's actually it, it got pretty crowded like once things started reopening there's like a lot of people that go there because I feel I feel like that's like one of the like main like walking paths uh, everyone wants to go on a walk yeah exactly and so there's it's like really crowded now like it's kind of hard to like maintain social distancing there I feel like mm-hmm. um okay and, like yeah. when you're outdoors it's like people don't really wear masks outdoors mm-hmm. so then mm-hmm. it's oh right difficult. yeah mm-hmm. um but yeah, so I guess I just try to like avoid all the people when I do right. go out Right, right. Okay, yeah, that's, yeah, and I think we're, I mean, I guess like US, Canada, both are still kind of still in like the quarantine. Like most people are still like at home most of the times, I would I would think. Um, I'm not sure. I mean, and, now I think it's like more, like more open. Back in like March, that's when like a lot of people stayed home and like okay yeah I know, but like now there's more people like going out and like okay doing stuff okay practices. I think I'm just maybe it's that's just me I'm still I've been living the same lifestyle since <laughs> March uh, <laughs> and okay so that's all with quarantine and then going like back to um the healthcare industry why did you um choose to work in the healthcare industry um so, like, ever since I was younger, um, you know, I'd always, like, really liked science um, yeah. and, like, especially, like, biology. And then I also, like, knew that I wanted, I guess, like, a meaningful career where I could, like, mm-hmm. help people and, like, make a difference. Right. Um, that was kind of, you know, throughout, like, high school, that's, like, what I wanted. But I, I wasn't really sure what exactly I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in high school, I actually took this, like, internship course, Um in a hospital so the way that it worked it was like every day I would take classes at this hospital for like I think like three or four hours um and then we would shadow different healthcare professionals um during that mm-hmm. like course um right. and so I was able to like see a bunch of different specialties in medicine and like just learn a lot more about the healthcare field mm-hmm. and I think it was that program that like really sparked my interest in healthcare and like wanting to become a physician mm-hmm. um, and so when I entered NYU like I was I was pre-med and I like mm-hmm. like I want to go into medicine like become mm-hmm. a doctor in the future mm-hmm. um and then just like even just throughout like undergrad like I tried to do more like volunteer work that was like healthcare mm-hmm. oriented just so that I could like gain more exposure into the field and see if I liked right. it or not and like every time that I did I felt like I really loved the experiences like I so I did this volunteering at um at like a hospital in um, in Brooklyn Mm -hmm. and it was like a really good experience like I was able to like learn a lot and like you know just like I guess help the patients and then also like just like see what it's like um like what the day-to-day operations of a hospital are like Mm -hmm. and like learn a lot about the healthcare field so that also helped to solidify my interest in medicine. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then after I graduated, so like I applied to med school. So to mm-hmm. be honest, so I applied last year and I did not get in. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of reasons for that. Like one, it is just already a very competitive field. Right. Right. And mm-hmm. then like me being Canadian, that means like when I applied in the US, I'm like an international student. So that's like a little bit harder even. even it's even more harder, be, uh, even though it's already competitive. Yeah, like it's already competitive for like like U.S. citizens, and then like mm-hmm. for international students, it's like it's like even right. harder. And then I think like because right. last year I had like interviewed at one school and I was waitlisted, and then like mm-hmm. while like waiting for the result of that waitlist, um, like COVID happened, and then like oh. the borders started closing, and I like I don't know if that like impacted it or not, but like it okay. could have, you know. Um, And then, like, I also applied in Canada, but then, like, in Canada, it's also very competitive, like, even Mm -hmm. more competitive than in the States, because there's just not enough medical schools. But, you know, the main thing is there's not enough residency spots. Um, The residency is what you have to do after medical school. Um, Mm -hmm. Because there's not enough residency spots, they, like, have to cap the amount of medical school seats. Um, they're only able to admit a certain amount because they need to make sure that those students, when they graduate, they're able to get residency positions. Um, so yeah, that's why it's, it's like really hard to get in, in Canada as well. Mm -hmm. So the point is like, so after graduating, like when I applied, I didn't get in, but I wanted to continue just working in healthcare to just, you know, get more exposure and like more experience. And that's Mm -hmm. why I decided to become like a medical assistant, um, Mm -hmm. in, in a clinic. Actually, work at oh. three different clinics now, but oh. yeah. Okay, yeah. I think, I think when you talked about like um, seeing doctors um, working like in in real life um, during high school sparkled your interest. I think that was like something that I kind of experienced. No, well, I experienced when I had my surgery, not in high school. So just recently when I had my surgery, I saw my surgeon and he like, took out my appendicitis. And then after I was like, I really want to ask him, hmm, so how do I, like, can I become a, is it too late for me? <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, I think, yeah, I definitely agree. It's um very meaningful and seeing like the, the doctors, nurses, helping helping the patients. And I felt very like, I felt like I was um, taken care of, like they were taking good care of me. And then, I mean, I'm, the doctors, they they move in like big, large groups. I, mean, I just woke up one day and then there was like five, 10 doctors in front of me. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, they were like, they like came to see me and then asked me how I was doing. I think they were, it was doctors and then students. Um, so for like the residency spots are, if you do med school in Canada, can you, have can you get residency in the u.s or it's or it's um so yes you can the way it works is like so there's like the u.s system and the canadian system and like Mm -hmm. for each one i'm and not like a hundred like i don't know it that well because i haven't gotten to that point yet but i think it's like there's like exams that you need to take and as long as you take those like pass those you can like Mm -hmm. kind of get into the residency match in either canada Mm -hmm. or the states Um, But I think, I think the thing is, like, once you get in, in one of the countries, Mm -hmm. you have to forfeit your opportunity in the other country. So you can only, like, I think whichever one you get in first, like, that's basically the country that you're going to do residency in. Mm -hmm. But then, like, even after residency, like, if, like, let's say you do residency in the States, you Mm -hmm. can still come back to Canada to, like, 
practice after residency. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Some of the doctors that I work with at like the two clinics now, mm-hmm. um, like a lot of them actually did residency in the States. Okay. Um, and then they came back to Canada when they finished their residency to like officially mm-hmm. like pra- like set up their actual practice now. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I think you apply during a tricky time. It's like COVID and then, I mean, I think, I guess medical schools would still be um, hiring, like not, not hiring, but like accepting students. I was talking to some some like people like doing PhDs in the um, so- social science um, area. And they were saying that even though like their programs are very good, they are not hiring any PhDs this year because like there's not enough funding. But I think oh. like, yeah, so for, and I think like med- healthcare would be a field where they're, they're all, they, that always require, needs people. Um, yeah, so I know that like for the admissions like this year, like I don't think they've changed the number of seats and like, I don't think they've like reduced the number of seats at all. Um, mm-hmm. But what's interesting is this year, I think um, mm-hmm. the stats showed that like it was like a record number of applications. Um, oh, and I, okay. I think the reason for that is like, well, there's a few reasons, but like, especially in the US. So mm-hmm. the way that you apply to med school in the US is like you do like your primary application first. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's like, so you it opens like on a certain date. And then you can submit your application and then it needs to go through like this verification process. And then after that process, um, once your app is like verified, there's like a certain day where the um, the application service sends all of your applications to the actual schools. So that's like mm-hmm. the, the date, like the release date where it like actually goes to the schools mm-hmm. and Um, What's interesting is this year, because of, like, COVID delays, they delayed that release date by two weeks. So that basically gave people an extra two weeks to, like, work on their application. And I think having that extra two weeks means that, like, more people were able to apply and, like, it was MCAT a little bit later. Although there were so many, like, struggles with the MCAT this year from what I heard. So I was really lucky because I took the MCAT the year before. And I didn't need to retake it. But, like, this year there was, like, a bunch of, like, exam cancellations. Mm -hmm. And it got to the point where, like, there weren't enough test dates anymore. So what Mm -hmm. they ended up doing was each day they made it so that there were, like, three different test times. Mm -hmm. Like, this doesn't sound that crazy. But if you actually think about the exam itself, it's crazy. Because, like, the exam, it's, like, like a seven- or eight-hour exam. So That long? Yeah. So usually it's, like you take it like you get there at like like 8 a.m and then it's from like 8 to like like to like 3-ish I want to say like does that make sense 8 9 10 11 12 yeah 8 to like 3 so that's like seven hours are there any breaks um yeah so there's like a half an hour lunch break and then there's like two 10 minute breaks between sections okay okay um so that's how it used to be like 8 till 3 and then because this year they were trying to like um, increase the amount of people that could take the test in like a short period since they had canceled all the tests from like March to like I don't know like a certain I want to mm-hmm. say like uh, like June or like July mm-hmm. so since they had canceled so many exams mm-hmm. there were so many people that still needed to take the test so what they did was like in one day they had three different times so if you were the morning slot 
you would start the exam at like I think it was like 6 a.m or something like that oh. and then they shortened the exam to make it I think like five or six hours which is still long oh. but like mm-hmm. shorter than before and then like the second session would take it at like I don't know like 12 something and then like they had one final session that would like take it almost in the evening so mm-hmm. it was just yeah, it was like crazy. So I feel bad for the people that had to take the exam this year because they had to go through like all these changes. And like even just I heard that like even like registering for a time slot was difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so like this year for the applications, I feel like they made people jump through so many hoops just because of all the COVID changes. Right. And like with interviews, um, since you can't really do in-person interviews anymore, they made this new assessment tool called like Vita where it's like an online interview with like AI so it's not even like a real person yeah and the, the AI assesses if you're like a good applicant or not I don't know it makes no sense to me but it's like okay. another tool that they're using like in conjunction with like normal virtual interviews okay so there's yeah, so basically, like, this year, for, like, the applications, they, like, added some other things to, like, okay. with okay. the fact that they can't do in-person interviews. And they and the MCAT, they they can't do it online. It has to be in, per, in person. Yeah, it has to be in person. Um, okay. Just because, I think, just because it's such, like, a strict exam, like, they need to really make sure that nobody, like, cheats on it. Okay, okay. And how long, how long is the um, their MCAT score valid for? Um, so it depends on the school. I think most schools will take it from like the last, I don't know, like four to five years. Okay, okay. So like mm-hmm. usually, yeah, like most people I think only take it once. Like I only took it once. Okay. Um, and like obviously if you don't do well the first time and you want to retake it, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, like, I know for U.S. schools, they also don't like it if you retake it too much. And then, like, if you do retake it, there's, like, a risk because if you do worse, it looks really bad on your application. So like, they will see all of your... All yeah, the- they see all of the results. Like, you basically have to do better if you're planning to retake. Okay, okay. Yeah. Well, sounds like a very long and um, tiring process mm-hmm. for for med school, which leads me to my question. So how do you prepare um, to work in the healthcare field? There's like so much that you need to do to prepare. So like, what would be the main, the main, like the most important things? I think still the most important thing is like your grades in school. Cause like, mm-hmm. I think that's like, that sets the foundation. And like, that's something that like, you, it's kind of hard to improve your grades let's say if your grades are good and like mm-hmm. the rest of your application is kind of lacking, you can always improve the rest of it in like right. gap years in the future. Like that's kind of what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. But like if your grades aren't good, it's like a lot harder to pull those up. Um, Cause you okay. have to do like, I don't know, just like some other, like, like maybe like a, like, I don't know, some other programs, like a special master's program or something in order to like prove that, like academically you're prepared for it Mm -hmm. but I still think that's like the most important thing for Mm -hmm. someone who's like planning to be pre-med because like you should still focus on grades first and then once your grades are down that's when you should start like looking at doing other things like the volunteer work and the research Mm -hmm. um 
And then in terms of that, like I would say it's really important to do things that you actually care about. Because a lot of people, I think they do like volunteer work and like research that they just kind of do it to check a box, like to say like, Mm -hmm. oh, I did it. And I feel Mm -hmm. like that's just not meaningful because like it's not just about having done the hours, but it's also about like the experiences that you had from it and like whether you can, you know, learn from those experiences and like draw from it and be able to talk about like specific things that, you know, you experienced during your volunteer work or during your research. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really important to do things that like you care about and also just your hobbies as well. Cause you know, med schools are looking for someone who's like well-rounded and like mm-hmm. have, have other interests as well. And stuff. Okay. And um, so you, in order to apply for med school, do you have to be pre-med? Like, do you have um, to so have no. a BS? Okay. So, no. So you can major in anything you want. Uh-huh. Um, but most schools have, like, prerequisite courses that you have to take. Okay. Um, and a lot of the prereqs would be things like bio, chem, physics. Um, mm-hmm. like, okay. So then, like, if you're doing, like, a science degree, it's just easier in some ways because then like the courses that you need for like the prerequisites you're already doing for your major so you don't Mm -hmm. need to take extra courses Mm -hmm. but I know some people who like majored in other things and then they just took those like prereq courses on the side and I think that actually gives you an advantage because it shows that like you know you're kind of different and like you're unique and like well-rounded and like Mm -hmm. I think like let's say if someone because yeah the other day I was actually I was talking to one of um the doctors that that I work with and she was saying like oh yeah like one of her friends um majored in like dancing and yeah which is like totally a doctor yeah yeah so she majored in dance but then you know she took the prereqs like the science courses that you need and then she got into med school and like now she's like a really great dance or a really great doctor because (laughs) (laughs) because like she's also like very like empathetic and like I think being like a dancer kind of helps like Mm -hmm. that side of you and like making you like a more well-rounded person okay okay yeah then maybe maybe you could work on your pipa skills (laughs) (laughs) yeah um um, what was I gonna ask oh so I was what was I gonna ask um yeah so I remember orgo was orgo something like a prerequisite for med school yeah yeah I remember that being a nightmare for other other pre-med 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 students (laughs) Yeah, orgo is like a lot of people struggle with orgo. Um, mm-hmm. It's just yeah, it's difficult because like it's like you have to memorize a lot of things, but you also mm-hmm. have to actually understand it. Like you have to get how the reactions work and like okay, yeah. like like actually like it's not just something where you just memorize things and you're set. Mm-hmm. Like you actually have to like understand the different reactions to to like do well in the course. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes there are things that you need to memorize for like all the different compounds like names and stuff which is kind okay of- I remember I took this neuroscience course in at NYU mm-hmm. and then I thought it was just like you know memorizing stuff and then um yeah then I did not do that well and then I had to study my ass off to pass that class uh, so I guess I'm not said to be a doctor um <laughs> but um okay so uh, do you have I know if you just like gave a lot of advice to like people who like to like anyone who wants to work in a like in the healthcare industry um what would be like your 
most important advice? Hmm, that's that's a hard one. Um, I think like, well, I guess just like one piece of advice right now is like, I think it's really important to like put yourself out there and like, don't be afraid to like, I guess, you know, try different things and like talk to people that are in the field. So I think mm-hmm. for me, especially like, cause I would say that I'm like kind of shy and like, right. not like a super like extroverted, like outgoing person. Mm-hmm. But then like ever since I started like working in the clinic, mm-hmm. I realized that like, it's really important to like, you know, like talk to the doctors that you work with, like get advice from them, like the doctors. Cause now that they know that, you know, this is my, my goal and they know that I'm interested in this. Like sometimes they'll be like, Hey Lisa, like I'm doing like, like let's say a punch biopsy, do you want to watch it? And then, and then that like gives you more experiences and like opportunities. Cause now they're, you know, willing to show you like some of these procedures and things. And like, mm-hmm. if I hadn't like reached out and like told them that I was interested, like they wouldn't have offered to let me see it and they wouldn't have offered to like teach me more about it and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I think it's just really important to like talk to people that are in the field that like mm-hmm. have been there before that, that like know what, the process and then like that can Mm -hmm. help you um so yeah reach reach out to people ask for their advice yeah i know what you want to (laughs) do yeah exactly okay yeah yeah i think that's um very very helpful um even even though i'm not working in like the healthcare field i feel like it's important to like reach out to different people like i guess exchange information or like ask for advice um yeah Okay, I think that was a lot of good information. Um, thank you for being here today. I look forward to seeing you, seeing you one day in the future. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and good luck. Good luck with everything. Oh, thank you. <laughs> okay, thank you everyone for listening. Bye. Bye. <laughs>